Hello, 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 and welcome back to what appears to be episode 10 of the podcast. And hello to all you new listeners. Seems to be hundreds of you. And an even more special hello to all the lovely listeners who've been with me from the beginning. You're very special. And all of you, new and old, please spread the word. Tell all your colleagues, industry chums, distant relations, total strangers in the street. And if you like the podcast, please rate it in the iTunes store. Go on. Only takes a minute. Tap on the screen, it should take you there. Coming up in this episode is part two of our interview with George Lotus. And this is the sweariest episode yet. It's f***ing full of the sh**iest f***ing language you'll ever f***ing hear. George tells us about his time at Doyle Day in Bernbach, and it wasn't the happy paradise that many of us imagine it being. After editing the interview, I realised that it was so long that I needed to chop it in half again. So now George's interview will be stretching over three episodes, and you won't have to wait very long for the final part. But before we hear from George Lois, I'd like to do a bit of self-promotion. I announced my new book, A User Guide to the Creative Mind, in the last episode, and I'd now like you to know that you can download the first chunk of the book for free. Well, by free, I mean for the price of a tweet or a Facebook mention. Uh, better still, you can buy it for Kindle, iThings, or in PDF format, or, or even in good old-fashioned analogue paper edition. Thick pride of place on top of your toilet cistern. Just tap on the screen to visit the site, or go along to userguidetothecreativemind.com. Okay, that's enough about me for just now. Let's not dilly-dally. Here's George Lewis. I start at Doyle Day in Burbank. I got... The weekend before I started, I bought... They told me they showed me the room I was going to get. I went in... The week before I started, the weekend before I started, I walked into the building with paint, pot, pots of paint and stuff and brushes. I just walked in. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I just walked in. Nobody stopped me. I looked like a one up through. Painted the room because I thought the room was like a dingy gray. Painted the room. Brought my Bruno my. Mis Bruno chair, you know, the B-R-N-O, you know, the yeah. Chickles rocking chair, um, and, and a beautiful little ta- uh, uh, tabaret, in that tabaret, and a drawing table, and I took next up to it, I worked on this Saturday and Sunday, Saturday after I played basketball, and then, and such, and then, but, and all, what was in the room there was a, was a, uh, when I first went there on a Saturday, was a, um, a requisition that they told you what a job you had to work on. And it was a new account it was called Carid, you know, the earwax remover. And uh, wow, you know, so I, I painted the room and I did everything and then I thought about it and I came and I went in six o'clock the next on Monday morning and I had some tracing paper and I did like seven or eight ads, I sketched them out, put the body, you know, put the headlines down, put the body copy, and sta- stapled them on sheets of bond paper. Get, Burnback walks in like 9.30 to say hello to me. He walks into the room and he says, uh, 
wow, they, they really took care of you here. What a beautiful room. Great furniture, too. Uh, I said, yeah, well, I, I, I kind of, I, I, I painted it. He said, you did what? I said, well, I came in over the weekend, I painted it. You painted, how'd you get in the building? I just walked in the building. And he said, it's the furniture? It's my furniture. He said, okay. No, he's looking at me like, what the fuck is this kid? You know what I mean? And then he says, and it was a big room this size, yeah. And then over there, there was like seven big ants. They look like scores, good, good drawings. Mm -hmm. One of them was a big ear. You know, it was actually where I got things sticking in the ear, you know. And he goes, what is this? I said, it's a, it's for a carrot, it's an earwax remover. He said, I know what carrot is, like, that's why, you know, I got the account, you stupid, you know what I mean? I know, but what, what you doing with? I said, I, I did them. Who wrote them? I wrote them. I mean, it's the same idea. You write it. You do. He went and he went, and he straightened up and he went, "Okay, I'll be your writer. I'll be your writer from now on." He said, "I never took him up on it because I knew it was a problem. Because mm. <laughs> I knew I'd be the teacher's pet. Mm. I, I fuck. I knew it. You know." Um, uh, but he looked at me and he said, whoa, what do I got here? I went to that place. I would, I'm there a couple a week and I find out, and it's obvious that you, an art director can't go to the client and show him the advertising or show him the post you did or whatever it is. I said, huh? You mean you're sending some dumb fucking account guy? That don't, they don't know shit. No, no, we have good account people. Nobody has good account people. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, no. I sell my stuff. You couldn't do it. There was one. They, your, the, I, I did my comps. Oh, okay, terrific. Okay, fine. Uh, have them. Uh, and they had six, three or four or five pastel artists, they would draw everything realistically and do the comps. I said, what are you, crazy? No, 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 the, no, the comp, here's the thing. Yeah. That's it. You don't have to, no, no, our clients want to see it rendered. I said, bullshit, you know. So I, you know, it, within a couple of, within a month, I broke, terrible thing, they fired, they fired the whole staff of pastel renters. No. Yeah, I, I, felt, I felt terrible. But it was stupid, it was a stupid, I mean, you don't, yeah. you don't do an idea and have guys, some guys who could rent, rendering it with pastels, and what are you talking about? It's how stupid, you know? And, uh, and then, of course, when I said, I'm not doing them, 
you know, and then I went to see clients. You know, one of them, the first one was I went, I, I threatened to jump out the window to commit suicide with a, with a matzo poster. I threatened to commit suicide, but hung out a window. But what happened is, a guy, a, a, you know, Bill Taubman, great art director, Bob Gage, of course, you know, Helen McCone, they said, I don't want. Well, I, don't, I don't want to do that. Pastel Ren. If Lois can do it, I'll do it. You know, I changed everything. In a couple of, uh, I got an, an engraving that was on that hand, I think. And I tell the guy at the promotion in the production department, oh, look, I want to do a little burnishing here, and I want to do this. And I say, No, no, you can't do that. I said, What do you mean I can't do that? He said, Well, that. You know, that's it, you know, one shot engraving. The fuck are you talking about? Doyle Dean Burnback? I can't fix I can't make my engraving better? No, that's it. Go fuck yourself. What are you talking about? <laughs> you will talk to the head of the production. I go to the head of production, this guy with Jerry Wirtan, some some asshole, I wanted to punch him out. And I said, hey, what's going on? I got on that's the way we do it here. I said, You wanna take then? You wanna take. The production department is on the take. Is the agency on the take too, or just the production department? The guy's looking at me, what do you mean? I said, you can't be telling me that you can't improve yeah. on a piece of advertising, on an engraving. What are, you, what are you talking about? Go fuck yourself. Hey, you're new here, you know, you, that's, we do, that's the way we do things. Go fuck yourself, I go to Bob Gage. I said, what the hell, those guys on the take? Is the agency on the take? Bob had a funny look on his face. I realized there was some kind of saving money on in production. I said, Bob, stop it right now. He got me my own engraver. I said, Bob, that's terrific, but stop it. Stop it everywhere. Don't do that. You shouldn't be making money chiseling money on production. Mm. It's all wrong. I don't want to, and I don't want to talk to Bob, and I do not want to talk to Bill about it. Mm. I didn't want to bring it up to Bill. I never did. Mm. You know, I said, you know, and he said, you know, you're right. But now, I changed the hell out of things there. Mm. You know, and I'm telling you, I upset a lot of people. <laughs> uh, Helmet took a, uh, Oh, and other things, working with copywriters. Uh, one of the first things I had to do there was, uh, uh, Lou Dorsman, the radio account was there, they did the media, but they didn't do any of the, um, but all they didn't do any of the creative, but he just used them because he loved the idea, Lou used them because they loved the idea of, you know, a great agency doing his media. And uh, and he said, uh, he said, uh, he called me George, he said, I want George, he, uh, Lois to do my stuff, someone of my ads, you know, because he, he, he always did his own stuff. So there, 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 there was a, do a full page ad, every, uh, uh, news every hour on the hour, like you know, five minutes of news or 10 minutes. Of, and I look at it, it's, it's incredible because every radio station in New York was doing it, had already done, you know, I said, what kind of, you're gonna do an ad that says, and now, every hour on the hour, 
I can't. It's embarrassing. So I broke it down into 25. I broke a page into 24 ads, and I did ads, you know, one column like this, and I did 24 of them all over the place. And one of them, and very bold type, it said 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and I put the copy down there every hour and the hour with the logo. So you looked, going to the paper, and you saw 24 ads all over the paper. You know, boy, did you get, did you understand every hour and the hour? And it, and it didn't brag other than saying, uh, it was just an exciting solution. So, 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 I, so I did it, I, I did some comps, I, did put, I filled it, the copywriter, they signed a copywriter to you, a woman copywriter. They had, they had five or six women copywriters. Phyllis Robbins was the head copywriter, she was a great copywriter. And she comes in, and I said, uh, well, I want to, let's do an ad that says, and I said, no, it's too grandiose. It's, uh, that's like bullshit. I mean, no, they're so far behind the time. So I said, let's do this. She said, no, 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 you don't understand, George. What don't I understand? Doyle Dane, at Doyle Dane Burnback, we don't do small ads. And I think my exact words were, were go get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Which, uh, I, I kind of roughed up a couple of people, and Phyllis Robinson, the copy chief, called me in and said, Stop. I, she's telling me I will not put up with your, your being aggressive, whatever the word is. And I said, well, I guess I should apologize, but I, you know, I can't take stupidity. What was stupid? And I tell her a story, and she wants, oh, okay, I understand. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, she was a great woman, anyway. But the point that I mean, it was so interesting to go into a great agency and they were doing a lot of things wrong. Yeah. It really was interesting. Yeah. A little bit wrong morally, and a, and a lot, and a lot wrong, and a lot, and, 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 and ter terrible arrogance. We adore Dane do this. We adore Dane do that. There was a great art director there who took four or five writers up to up to burn back after about a month with a bunch of my five or six of the years I did saying we're really we're here to protest the ads that Lois is doing one of them was the ear ad mm. with everything sticking in it the, that, the pencil that, that burn back thought was Great. Yeah. I mean, it was the kind of it was the ad. He, he saw that, and I had done a lot of ads there. I mean, I did a package design for Carrot with an ear on it on both sides, and I had a, I did an ear with a kid holding the two packages up in his two ear. You know, I did some sweet stuff. Yeah. That, uh, but that, but the thing was like like Burnback saw that, and he said, "Holy shit, this kid goes right to it." Yes. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, that's a fucking image. Is it revolting? Of course. That's what's mm. great about it. Because yeah. I was trying to do, you know. Anyway, so, so Burnbag and I understood. He loved everything I did. You gotta understand, he revered the, the, the great art director. He revered Bob Gage, Helmet, Bill Taubin, me, and of course Paul Van. Because that's how we, where Bill got his understanding. Mm. I don't know if you understand that. Do you? Yeah. I mean, when Bill was a young, was a creative director, Gray, young creative director, young writer, 
he goes in there and they said to him, listen, uh, you, you know, Paul Rand's in there doing the all-back ads and, uh, you know, be careful of him. He's a tough bird, you know, he's tough <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, he might throw you out. Mm-hmm. And he had the power to throw you out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill, very warily, I mean, I heard, I heard it by, in detail the story from Bill and I heard the story from Paul Rand in right. detail. And they, they jibe very closely because I, I became great friends with both of them. And he goes in and he and he's what are you working on? And when I'm doing air like this, and you know, I'm doing this, what he goes on? Oh, t- t- terrific! Boy, you're, you're a very very good writer, you know. And, well, let me see the body. Oh, can I suggest in the body copy you say this? And so he very quietly got into it. And Paul said, I started to, you know, I said, kid, smart, you know, kid was smart. Bill just found out, realized, if you worked with a, if a writer worked with a good creative, a good graphics guy, you could do better advertising. Duh. Mm. No shit. Yeah. It was an epiphany to him. Because all the, because in advertising people you know, people would uh, you know you'd go uh, a guy a, a copywriter would go into maybe or the account guy would go into the author's room and say here lay it out yeah <laughs> you know do, you know, do something yeah you know not create something do something put it on paper uh, and all of a sudden Burnback wow so Burnback. That was his epiphany, and when he started Doyle Dan Burnback, he went to he went to Paul, and he said, "Paul, I'm going to want to call. I'm going to write." He was stealing an account from from Gray, two accounts, and 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 the, and the, uh, Paul was a tough motherfucker, tough shit. Uh, he said, uh, "Get the, get the fuck out of here," you know. And he, he, he said, well, 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 "There's a there's a kid down there in the promotion department. He's got talent." Uh, Bob Gage, I think his name is. Mm. Bill went to Gage and hired Gage almost on the spot. Wow. And Gage, it, to me, is, became the first great, maybe not the first, the first modern art director. Mm. You know, not that Paul wasn't a great art director, but I mean, Gage brought a, a kind of a ultra modern sensibility above and beyond a designy one, although he was a good designer. And uh, so, uh, so Paul, Bill looked at, at, the, at the Rands and the Gages and, and guys like me and what he called that. He, we, I mean, it, you were, I swear to God, I mean, you could do no wrong, you were God. Mm. I mean, you'd see it in his eyes, he would, and you'd walk in with a writer that you worked with and you'd say, hey, Bill, we got a, yeah, what do you call it, what do you call it? And he said, wow, George, that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'd walk in with a, with a writer. That's great. What do you call it, what do you call it, what do you call it? He, he would like to write it. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you still here? <laughs> it, it, it was amazing. And I found it incredibly endearing and revealing, because he was saying, you didn't do shit. Mm. I mean, he, he never cursed, by the way, he never cursed. You, you, you couldn't have done this without that art director. Mm. It was his attitude. 
Was it like a, a balancing out of the fact that um, the people who had been the art directors and had been laying the stuff out had, had really only been the stylists at the end with, without any real sort of input, and now that their brains were allowed to be used, he was, he was over-revering them? Oh, yeah, no, he understood. He under, when he worked with Rand, he didn't... He might have he might have gone in there with some lines that that spurred something, but he never would have realized what Gage would have done with it. You know what I mean? Or he would come in and he would see what Gage was doing. Uh, not Gage. I'm talking about the, the Van. He he might have seen what Van was doing and and uh, and dotted the eye with a line uh, maybe. But he he, he understood the. And that's what and and what art direction, great art directing, great visual imagery, great visual thinking, is what changed, is what created the creative evolution. Mm. Not the writing. There's always been great writing in advertising. I mean, I can go. You can look at advertising, and you can say, you know, I mean, whether you like it or not, but cigarettes. You know, I can walk a mile for a camel, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and Ogilvy's. You know, the, you know, the only thing ticking, and uh, the only thing you hear, the, the, the ticking of the clock, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of great. Um, there's always been sharp writing, etc. But, but visual imagery. Along with the writing, obviously, the synergy of it is what makes the what makes a great what makes great advertising. Um, so Bill understood that, and um, I mean, and he would talk to me about stuff that he would never talk. He would never talk about it. He'd say, "George, um, what's the best advertising campaigns that Doyle Dan's ever done?" I was there like three or four months. I said, oh, no. he said, uh, uh, um, uh, you don't have to be Jewish to love, to, love, uh, to, to eat Levy's. Why'd you say that so fast? I said, because it's got two mnemonics. He said, Would it, say that again? Hmm. I said, I said, great line, it's got a great slogan, because you guys, because as great as your advertising is, Bill, there's no slogans here. You don't believe in slogans. He said, you believe in slogans? He said, that's so old fashioned. Mm. And I said, no, I believe in slogans. I believe in, when you hear to a, 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 a brand name, something comes out of your, out of your mouth immediately. And you don't have to be Jewish to eat Levy's, it's a great line. And the visual, each week, each month, or each week, before the changes, two people are so far from being Jewish, it isn't funny. The Indians and what he called it, what he called it. That's a great campaign. You can't beat, you can't beat that, because it's mnemonic, the mnemonic, visual and mnemonic line. Uh, he, you know, he would look at me like, I'm not sure he looked at me and said, that's right, but he would look at me and say, holy shit, I never heard that before. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he, he, you know, he. We had those kind of discussions all the time, and not in front of people because he didn't. He was the guy who was always giving the lecture. Yeah, and he, and he was right about everything. But you know, I mean, he was. But he was a. Um, he was beyond a gentleman. He was uh, almost. Um, until he got into a discussion, and then he and he never got mad, but he would. You know, when yeah. he would, I'd say, so I saw him 
tough on a lot of the people there. But, um, um, when I told him we were leaving, when I came and I told him we were leaving, uh, he went into shock and told me I, you can't, uh, I, you know, he meant it. There can't be more than one creative agency or Georgia. If anybody can do it, you can do You guys can. you got such talent, but I, I don't think so. You know what I mean? And um, after about four months of our success at PKL, he, he, he gives me a call. He said, why don't you call me? Why don't we? Why don't we have lunch? I, you know, I couldn't didn't know. You know. Yeah. And then we regularly would eat at the Four Seasons. Uh, uh, I, I was working for the Four Seasons too. I, one of my first accounts, you know, it was Four Seasons restaurant. And um, and it was tough because what happened is, after three or four years, slow but sure. Um, we we went public at door at PKL, which stunned everybody. Which actually, uh, b- before you go into that, um, yeah. I've got a question from Sir John Haggerty. Yeah, sure. Okay. And his question is: Did you go public too soon? Uh, <laughs> well, I think we went. We shouldn't have gone public. Yeah. Um, I. I didn't come up with the idea of going public at all. It was, uh, it was. Uh, we got a financial, a financial officer, a guy by the name of Norm Gulick, a very smart guy, and uh, he came up with the idea, et cetera, et cetera. And at the time, if you, you suggested it to anybody, they'd say, "Oh no, creative ad agencies shouldn't do that because we're a service industry. We don't do. We shouldn't be on the same level as our account." And it, it, what the reaction to us talking about it for people in business before we did it. My reaction was, fuck them. Yeah. Let's go pump. I mean, my reaction was that it was a revolution, everything to do, let's do it. Yeah. You know, so I was, I didn't argue with it at all. And, um, but when it happened, I think it hurt us badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it hurt, it, it hurt, it just, as far as I, I, my concern, it destroyed Pappet and Kane, my two partners. Uh, they changed it. They changed their attitude about everything. Uh, they kept discussing our, our, our stockholders. <laughs> well, our stockholders. I, I, what, are, what are you guys talking about? Um, you know, now that we're public, uh, you know, we can't be Pappet and Lois anymore. We got to be a combination of. Papa King Lois and, uh, and Benton, and, uh, not Benton and Bowles. Yeah, I get Benton and, Benton and Bowles because they, they thought that was a, a good count guys. And Benton and Bowles. You know, I said, what the fuck are you talking about? We got to keep doing what we do. What do you, I, I, first of all, I don't know how to do anything but what I do. So I, I got into, Kenny and I stopped working with each other after two years. We worked with each other from 60, in the agency, 60, 61, maybe a little bit of 62. Probably mid 62. And we couldn't work with each other. I just couldn't work with them. And I, I was, I mean, it was a real problem going on there about uh, what happened is we split accounts and I was, and you know, half the accounts, half the accounts were things that I would, under me and I would, do a lot of it, and half of them were under Koenig, and and 
the two of them, and I didn't like what they were doing. I didn't like the. I'd, I'd go in and say, what the fuck is that? Well, you know, uh, uh, they never complained about what I did, um, but it really got, it, it, I, and it, it was the beginning of a real um, separation of, uh, of, uh, of the kind of work we wanted, that I wanted to do. I mean, and, and, and uh, Papa kept talking about Ogilvy, how he thought how great Ogilvy was, and I'm saying, look, come on, we live. Ogilvy, when I was at Doyle Dane, maybe I was only there six, seven months, um, Cliff Fields, who was a, um, the copy chief, called me about five times. You know, Mr. Ogilvy wants to talk to you about uh, looking for a head art director. And I said, you got, I said, you got to be shitting me. I mean, I, I, are you kidding? I mean, I, there's, not a, there's not a word in Ogilvy's book that I, that I don't think is nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't what are you talking about? And anyway, after about four or five phone calls, he said, could you do me a favor, at least call me with an English accent? He said, I, he's yelling at me, and, I'm, he's, and I can't, he can't. I said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll come. I figured, well, it might be interesting. Um, are you asking me to bring my work? He said, could you? <laughs> I said, okay, I will. So I did it. And the second I'm there, I, I said, what am I doing here? And, uh, and Ted Loderfield, he brings in the Ogilvy, and he knew, he knew most of the stuff I had done. And uh, he starts, he offers me the head art director, you know. Uh, and every 15 minutes, it, it, he offered me another $10,000. <laughs> and it got to the point where it was like three times my salary. Yes. And, uh, and I said, I said, it's, I, this, I, this, uh, I said, Mr. Ogilvy, in a million years, like this marriage that this couldn't be made. I said, the only way I could accept the job I said, what, huh? is if I was the creative director and I had the power to decide on it. And of course, he was the creative director. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was the creative director. <laughs> the only way I could be a, come here is be, as the creative director. And he kind of gulped and he smiled a little bit. And he kept me there for about an hour and a half when about three months after we started Papakane Lois, he, he called me up and he said, well, you certainly were right not coming to us, he said. He said, because you, you got a great agency there. You know, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I was really, I almost cried, you know. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, was so, it, was so, it was sweet of a guy. Mm -hmm. But the going public, I think, uh, uh, I mean, um, in 63, about that time, we had just gone public, and they're talking about a P&G business. I said, whoa. I mean, they're notorious. I mean, when you get P&G business, they come in and they put locks on every, a lock on every door, and every door has to be locked before you leave because people might steal their secrets. I said, whoa. I said, no way. And for about six months, no way. And uh, I go to my first vacation, I go to my, my first vacation in years. My wife and I and my father go to Greece, and I come back and they had they took P and G business. Mm. 
And I, and I said, well, so anyway, so I, I, going public, and a lot of it reason was going, because we went public, mm. that we, that we, now P&G, I didn't want P&G accounts, mm. you know, I wanted exciting, young, new accounts, anyway. So anyway, so, um, anyway, that's the answer to that question. <laughs> big, big problem, big, yeah. I thought it was revolutionary, and what it did is just really hurt us badly, you know. Mm. Well, I was sort of looking at your stuff. Uh, it seems as if you haven't limited your creativity to advertising. And it's, it's one of the things I, I get frustrated with so many creatives that I've had in my departments uh, in, in the industry who seem to be fed, they feed their mind with ideas from advertising, and then they produce advertising. Oh, I would always tell my clients, you know, uh, you know, uh, when I do something for you, you know, it, it's going to be a big idea, and you know, and if you be, and it could be, it'll write for you to TV, if maybe should be a TV in print, and it'll be, uh, you know, and I'll design, I'll redesign your logo, and I'll uh, and I'll do your packaging, and uh, I'll I'll uh, that's an ugly, that's a really ugly tie, I'll 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 design new a new t new ties for you. I'm mean, like, look, the guy said it's really an ugly fucking tie, uh, <laughs> and I would tell people. I'll, I'll do everything, I said, and you don't have to ask me. I mean, it's going to come for me. I'm going to come to you with these things, and you not don't have to be requisition of me, but I want to do the whole thing, say the whole thing. Right? I, I do that all the time. And uh, I, I, did, I did some of the best stuff I did in all those years was sales films. Mm. Oh, I did a sales film for Cuddy Sock that's incredible. Mm. It goes on for an hour and a half and it's just brilliant mm. you know I mean uh, they, they, they uh, every year Cuddy Sock with Buckingham they would have a, a sales meetings like five of them around the country in different sections and each place maybe there would be like 500 men or men and they would put on a live show cost no fortune and, it, and I said, "How about me just doing a, a film that knock you know, that'll that no that no live show will come near it?" And he said, well, "What are you talking about?" And so I worked on it. They did a script to get out, they, and they had, they had some music. The, the campaign was "Don't give up the ship." They, they had a they they to hire an agency. They had a they showed they had been running a an ad with a painting of the Cuddy Sock, probably was a slave ship, and um, I think, mm. and, um, and they ran the, the same ad basically for 30 years, and they, and they were saying everybody should we keep the ship, and I did a campaign, don't give up the ship. Mm. You know, only it was a hot shit campaign, don't, and with the song, don't give up the, anyway, I did a sales filled with it. Don't give up the ship. I got Nixon before Watergate drinking in his room in his in the White House before saying getting drunk. I won't give up the ship. I'm not this ship. <laughs> you know, hey, 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 picked up the phone. Hey, uh, uh, Henry, you're kissing you. Henry, get the get get your ass in here and bring a couple of broads with you. You know, uh, I mean, I did this incredible thing. I did a, a, a song going to the ship. 
at the, at the, where they, the lyrics were pissing on, on, on all the all, all their competitors. I mean, pe people saw that film, standing ovations. Uh, you know, it's a, I mean, I mean, so I mean, what you do is exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, not because you just want to do film. Uh, you know, but just because I know a film would be great for them. You know, you just do, and I still do it. I mean, I do every part of, you know, when I work on something, I do every angle and a dangle. It's, it's something that is, is very much sort of coming back to advertising. People are looking at this. I suppose that, that there's words for it that is transmedia or cross-media or whatever. Uh, and, and, it, and it's about getting an idea that's so big it can go across everything and it seems that's exactly what you were doing always yeah it's always what you were doing you know but you know now it's an idea you know now it's a strategy no shit yeah. uh, you know uh, we're working on a uh, sales film a, uh, a web a film for the web yeah. on this now it's, it, I mean it's a terrific film you know yeah. um, it, it's fun to do no but I've done um, uh, I mean I I, I, I I, before I did this damn good advice book, I was about to publish a book on my logos, and then when I realized I wanted to do that book, I, I held it in abeyance. I, I, I have a book that's going to come out a year after this of 150 of my logos. They're the best logos you ever saw in your life. No, I mean, and I, I'm talking about logos that communicate. You're looking at it, you get it. Yeah. Not logo, not designs, although some of them, are they're all designed, but uh, I, I, love pack, I love to do packaging, I love logo, I love, but, but you love it because it's part of an idea. Okay, well that's it for this episode. There's no advertising review this time or extra interviews. It's just a no-nonsense, to-the-point waffle fest. In the next episode, we'll be hearing the final part of George's interview, and I'm going to be telling you about some of my favourite podcasts. But let me just say again, if you like this podcast, rate it and review it in the iTunes store. Please. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless your cotton socks. Tally ho!